You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. From our studio to yours, it's Various Artists with Francis and Liam. Welcome to Various Artists. My name is Liam and I will be with you for the next hour. Um, as you mentioned on Roundup this morning, I was down in Ototahi last week and now Frances is taking her wee break. She is down in Ponake. So I am helming the show for today and next week. What we have coming up, I will be chatting with Dean Poole from the AJ Open taking place in a few weeks with two days worth of international design talks over at Aotea Centre. I'll also be chatting to poet Liam Jacobson about his upcoming poetry collection, Neither, and the launch party taking place at Basement Theatre. And Joe is covering for Francis. He will be speaking with writer-performer Tom Webster for the upcoming production Oi Fred over at Basement Theatre next month. And to round off the show, as always, we'll take you through the art guide for Tamaki Makoto. This week, Aha Ofakaro, we would love to hear your thoughts on any of these pieces. So please get in touch to Kupato Himai. You can text us on 5395 or Waya Mairane. Give us a call in the studio on 309 3879. You can catch all these chats and more by podcast on the 95BFM website, 95BFM.com. Let's get into it. Oh, don't suffer for your art chat. Various artists with Francis and Liam. Poet Liam Jacobson will soon be releasing his debut collection of poetry titled Neither. The showcases the foggy atmospheres Liam has experienced in Tamaki Makoto and Aotearoa as a whole, consisting of work from the last 66 years of his practice. There will be a little book launch over at Basement Theatre on the 14th of September, featuring readings from Liam as well as uh, Ria Masai, Jai Selkirk, Selkirk, sorry, and a solo set from Bad for Education. I had a chat with Liam about the book, what went into it and its upcoming launch. My name is Liam Jacobson. I'm from Kaisahu, but I was raised in Manurewa. I do lots of different types of writing things, but mostly poetry um, and also have a drawing practice too. So We're here to chat about the release of your debut poetry book called Neither. Um, what can you tell us about this without giving too much away? It's like a bunch of poems that I guess I've kind of um, written over the last few years. So some like pre-COVID, some post it. I think the most recent poem in it is this year. And the oldest is probably about six years ago. It's just a bunch of all these poems that I've kind of written through that time. And it's very like blurry kind of dreamscapes and little private myths. Yeah, just lots of little intimate um, thinkings and rememberings and musings on different things. Was there anything in particular that you were kind of trying to go for with this collection in terms of like an atmosphere with the pieces of poetry that you chose to put in this book? Not particularly. I think it was kind of like, it's pretty interesting what's been revealed by themselves though. Like what, like some of those conversations, like I, I guess like the poems themselves ended up having these kinds of conversations and bringing about this like, like new feeling that I couldn't necessarily have gone for myself. Um, but I think that's a pretty like shadowy, foggy, um, yeah, dreamscape, I guess. It's kind of ended up like a little bit of an index or like a chronicling of some time that I've spent you know, late night in the city or that kind of, um, those kinds of spaces. Yeah, I mean, sort of in that sense, was it inspired by any particular places or experiences? Uh, definitely Tamaki. Um, definitely just like the mumblings and ramblings and wanderings around here. I think it's pretty hard not to be inspired by all that when you're <laughs> amongst the gutters of it. <laughs> And I mean, before this, have you kind of been doing poetry as your primary practice in Tamaki Makoto? Yeah, yeah. So I've been probably reading for about eight or nine years, um, just in various spaces, um, various little pockets of the community and of the world, like um, doing art writing for a bunch of different art galleries, but also just for friends and 
you know, those like first Thursday markets and basically just whatever anyone asked me to do, I'd go stand there and ramble at them. And what that, what has that kind of experience been like doing those poetry readings? Have they, I guess, influenced the way that they're written out in print at all? I've definitely like written um, to rhythms of speech. Um, but I think also there's a lot of other rhythms that the page kind of reveals, um, you know, like, I guess, like rhyme or like meter or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've definitely like written with those rhythms. And then I think in kind of record that rhythm via, you know, text, um, some new things are revealed in that. Collaborated with anyone on any of these pieces in terms of the poetry itself or just the creation of the book? Not overtly. Um, my partner, Gabby Maffey, has been like a massive help in terms of like the editing process of it. Um, and I guess that translation of like things that, that they'd heard being spoken into text. Um, so that's been massive help. And then Isla Huia had a good read through as well. And obviously Dominic Hoey and, um, and um, Sam Walsh, who are the publishers, have been massive help and Gabby Lardy's in terms of like sharpening it up and making it look pretty. To be honest, in terms of the actual poetry, it's all been pretty um, insular, which I guess is kind of what's beautiful and also kind of daunting about this process now of like what's quite a, yeah, introspective space being kind of brought into Te Marama. Yeah, so I guess that's the buzz now is like that collaboration between people now reading it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, poetry is such a, it's an art form that's, like, really great for many things, but bad at kind of, like, getting rid of the vulnerability of the writer. How are you approaching that with what is oftentimes quite honest thoughts um, just laid out straight on the page? I mean, I definitely didn't put in the ones that were pretty, that were the worst. <laughs> I don't know, I think that there's, I think with cheekiness and with humor, I hope, I think like, it's not like it's stuff that other people aren't experiencing. Like, I think that's the worst part is when you're just like feeling like this stuff's your own feelings. Um, yeah, I don't mind too much. I've been doing it long enough that like, there's enough, um, there's enough new feelings. And I guess that's kind of, that's always like that thing that hates of like, you know, especially like musicians and stuff talk about as well. I suppose we like, they're like, like plugging this album, but they're already like, almost done the next one so I guess there's that little bit of distance already that kind of makes it a bit easier and then when it comes to your um opening event that will be taking place on the 14th of September at uh Tamaki's basement theater uh what can people mm -hmm. expect if they want to head along to this um it'll be me reading some poems from the book bad for education doing a solo set of um some pretty music it'll be Rio Masai doing some poems as well and it'll be Jai Selkirk also doing some poems so there'll be a few poets and um along with William doing some music so there'll be a bunch of us reading there'll be all of the usual joys of basement um and there'll be books and maybe if you bring me a vivid I'll doodle in your book and if people <laughs> can't make it along to this event where could they pick up a copy of neither I guess that like all of those cool bookstores like you know, basically all the bookstores that aren't Paper Plus or Wickles. Um, so, you know, the ones. Any funky independent will probably have it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those sorts of places. Um, I'm also, I'll probably try to keep some in my bag. So if you see me around, you could probably ask me. On the 19th, I'm also doing Poetry Live. So I'll have some books there. So let's at Thirsty Dog. That was William Jacobson, poet William Jacobson, chatting about his upcoming poetry book, Neither, and its upcoming launch gig on September 14th. Have you got any thoughts on that piece? We are on 5395 on the text machine. We will be back, so stay tuned. You're on 95BFM. As Liam mentioned, uh, Bad for Education will be doing a solo set over at Basement at the same time that the book is launching. This is their track, Mondayitis. Stay tuned. Now look me in my eyes and 
from 4 to 7 p.m. The Grogans are jumping the ditch to get your feet tippy-tapping at the beer spot with their infectious tunes. With support by well-loved Auckland band Wellness. Grab your mates and hit the beer spot. For Drive Island with the Grogans, Friday, September 22nd, the beer spot Morningside from 4 to 7 p.m. What's a seven-letter word for street fighter? Brawler. Hey, what's happening at Ponsonby Social Club this week? Filthy Junk Traders live, followed by DJs Killer Manraro and Soul Tree. And tomorrow, Citrus Inc. live, followed by DJs Alicia and Grantis. Same old Ponsonby Social Club, 152 Ponsonby Road. Hi, I'm Ken. Hi, Ken. It's been six months since I've listened to Jin. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I still miss it. The feeling when the primo tunes are pouring out. The smooth grooves, the weird songs that have got flute in them. Hey, what's that in his ear? M my ear? N what? That's a headphone. No, no, no. This no. guy's hurting some gin right now. No, 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 if this guy's gonna have some gin, I want some too. No, no, you gotta. Yeah. Everyone loves a bit of gin, and no one's gonna blame you if you take an earful every Tuesday from 1 till 4. Gin plays all the good notes that go down easy with a lingering vibed out aftertaste. The Tuesday 1 to 4 with Gin, thanks to the same old Ponsonby Social Club.
That was the best with Westendale live at Laneway back in 2020. I think the last Laneway that actually took place here in Tamaki Makoto. If you weren't tuning into Morning Glory this morning, uh, that's coming up. The lineup is going to be announced on Tuesday and pre-sales are going to be open, I believe, around the same time. Um, I think it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure that you are all ours. Uh, you all are as well um and yeah we do have a special guest in the studio joe has arrived after his test Jonah. how you going how are you feeling about that joe um yeah <laughs> anyway furious artists with francis and liam so you can go to the opening for more than just the snacks the AJI Open is coming up later this month at AOTA Center, showcasing talks from over 30 global design leaders from Alliance Graphique Internationale. This is the only the second time in 25 years that AGI, a major collective of influential graphic designers from around the world, have come to the Southern Hemisphere and the first time in Aotearoa. Taking place from the 18th to 19th of September, these talks will not be worth missing. I had a chat with organizer Dean Paul about the designers trekking down to Tamaki Makoto and the event as a whole. My name is Dean Paul. I'm creative director of Alt Group, which is a multidisciplinary studio that was set up about 25 years ago here in um, Tamaki Makaurau. So, what is the AGI Open event that's going to be happening in a few weeks here in Tamaki Makaurau? Well, AGI stands for Alliance Graphique Internationale, and it's a group of designers that set up sort of post-war in 1952 really was the birth of um, design, design or commercial uh, art and design post, um, a post-war as a way of uh, sharing ideas across uh, cultures and borders. And as the organisation has grown over the years, um, it's opened up in lots of different countries. And we pick a different city to um, gather in every year and um, that's called AGI Open, and that's where we uh, share kind of design um, ideas and, and the discipline uh, with the local community. So this is uh, only the second time in our history that um, Aji has uh, come to the Southern Hemisphere. I think in the 90s, they, they went to Melbourne. So um, it's kind of, uh, it's a rare moment. We're pitching it as a sort of, uh, once in a generation event where we get to hear from you know design icons and legends from uh, from around the world. Yeah, it's a it's kind of people would call it like the World Cup of design. It's probably a, a simpler way of uh, saying it. Mm. And I mean, you are bringing um, people from around the world to Auckland for this event. Can you list off uh, some of the people that will be doing talks? Yeah, oh, they're, they're amazing. So we've got 36 different speakers from 16 different countries. Some of them are household names in their own towns. Um, we have Paula Shear from um, New York. Uh, she is probably one of the most influential designers of our time. Uh, she, you will know her from the Netflix series Abstract. Um, and if anyone tuned into um, Kim Hill, she interviewed her on Saturday. So she really has changed the face of New York designed everything from MoMA to the Met to the Highline um, to the New York Ballet, Ballet to Tiffany's, but also she's an incredible um, art practitioner with her own practice of painting, painting maps. We have kind of Kenya Haro's, the most important sort of uh, Japanese uh, design aesthete and philosopher, who was the art director of Muji for, for the last 16 years. Um, a really, uh, really great kind of mind. So to have him um, present here is just a, is just a real honour. We have Lisa Inabas, who um, really changed the way that motion design is done as a kind of discipline. She's from Studio Dunbar. We have Brian Collins, who's like an American designer who, you know, people will know because you live with the, the stuff every day. If you use Spotify, he designed the brand for Spotify. If you use Twitch, he did Twitch. If you read on Medium, he did Medium. Uh, he's the real kind of champion. We have uh, An Sang Su, who was uh, sort of seen as the, the godfather of, um, of modern Korean type design, sort of digitized Hangul, the writing system for Korea. Uh, we have Eddie Opara, who's a multidisciplinary designer from Pentagram, partner of Pentagram. Um, Paul Bowdens. Uh, 
if anyone's into fashion, he sort of invented the sort of Belgium six, like Walter Van Berendonck and um, and uh, and others, and Yoji Yamamoto went on to work with Japanese designers. So there's a real um, there's a real mix. Yaling Yu from Singapore, Arena Perio, who's sort of like changed uh, web web design, and Stanley Wong from China, who is famous for um, creating sort of identity around red, white, and blue, and sort of um, Hong Kong as a kind of place and a visual culture. Mm. So it's, it's a there's a lot a lot of people to squeeze into. Uh, two full days at your Centre. The fact that this is taking place in Auckland sheds a bit of a light on um, what design is like here in Aotearoa. Do you think that there will be kind of like some chatting about what's going on here in New Zealand for the design world? Oh, yes, for sure. I think design here is really developed. We've got a very strong Indigenous culture that is expressing itself in a very contemporary way and it's very distinctive and not not that Aotearoa New Zealand's seen as a country, the first country you think of when you think of contemporary design, but someone um, from New York came here recently and said, oh, this feels like uh, New York in the kind of 80s. Like there's a real um, real optimism and, and and it feels kind of new. This feel, feels like something's happening in this part of the world. So hence that's why they wanted to come here. And when you think about design, we live with it every day, but the way that I like to explain to people as designers is like an accent. The further you travel from home, the more distinctive you are. So having them share and and see New Zealand design here at the same time is is um, an exchange between uh, different peoples from different places. Is there anything outside of just the artist talks that will be taking place over the weekend? Any exhibitions or anything like that? Yes, there is. We, we, we have an exhibition that will open up an object space, where, which is called Kōrero, which we've, um, all the designers have responded to two words in their, in their, in their language. So that will be sort of presented as a, uh, an installation of, uh, of uh, sort of uh, abstracted conversation uh, coming together. And, um, and then we have, we, we take them on their own sort of tour and really engage with the best that we have. So we share with them, um, you know, talks on uh, Tamako artists, uh, Michael Parakofai. Um, we go to Hotanui at uh, Tamaki Pangahira and go th- go through, um, you know, customary practice, and then you know celebrate under the bowl with um, with uh, with uh, Tongan uh, Kava ceremony on the formal formal. So. Equally, there's going to be some opportunities for them to learn and and about us and um, us to learn about them. As you said earlier, this is kind of like being branded as a real once-in-the-generation type event uh, for New Zealand. Why do you think that it's so important for people to come to this and why it's uh, so special for Auckland? I just think it's great to see practitioners that uh, that have devoted their lifetime to this. Some, some of our members, uh, you know, are 83, like Kutsumi uh, Asaba will be there, who um, art-directed um, Isimiyaki and things like that. And, and you know, to see that, you know, I, I, I just learned so much from, from them as a group of people that, that you know, you can actually devote your life design as a way of life. It's not a com- commercial activity. It's just a way of, um, it's not about making a living. It's about, it's about how you live. And I think that's the, a lot of these are just individual practitioners that have shaped our visual culture. Um, and equally we have, um, we have the same thing going on here. I think that that's the biggest takeout really. Mm. So if anyone listening wants to, head along or get involved, where can they go to learn more information? Yeah, well, if you go to agi-open.com, that's where the full program is. It'll list out the the day of events. There's uh, a student price tickets at $199 and then professionals at $399. And, um, yeah, that's, you know, it's going to be... yeah, it's going to be a pretty pretty wild show. So go there and check out the program and and see if there's something that um, that you're interested in. 
That was Dean Poole from Alt Group chatting about the AGI Open, a multifaceted event of talks from designers all around the world, once again, that is happening at IATA Centre on the 18th and 19th of September. Aha Ofakado, let us know what you think of that or any of the pieces that you've heard so far. Text us on Rima Toru Iwa Rima 5395. Once again, I'm kind of just going through just like on the back of Lucia's entire show, playing a whole bunch of tracks from BFM's lovely archive of Laneway Lives. This is Cassie Headrest with Unforgiving Girl in parentheses, she's not N. same page at the exact same time but still i gotta ask we're dancing right this is a dance incident
I haven't voted before because I feel like my voice isn't heard. But I'm not the only one. If we all had a say. On the issues that matter to us. And our communities. That'll be powerful, right? Yep. Let's make our voices heard by voting in this year's general election. Brought to you by the Electoral Commission. Love that. Yeah. You guys know Davis? Bitches Bros. Good album. And you know that one that's like... <laughs> <laughs> Squiddly Bebop, Pow, Hayes. Yeah, Do you know Grover Grover? I love Grover Grover. It's my favourite album. Willie McNabb on drums. Jazz. They just make it up as they go along. The 95 BFM Jazz Show. Sundays at 12 with Blind Mango Chutney, Def Jim, Miss Dom, Francis Chan or Dr Mark Baines. The 95 BFM Jazz Show. 12 till 2pm Sundays. The original originator. 95. Go to 95bfm.com for show podcasts. Only positive critiques. Honest. Welcome Various artists. Bit too early there, Liam. My bad. Welcome back to Various Artists here on 95BFM. Keeping it on the theme of more local talent this week, we had a BFM-inspired filmmaker last week. This week, Tamaki Makoto's own Tom Webster, a writer-slash-performer of his production Oi Fred, will be telling us about this theatrical performance that is set to come out at the beginning of October. I started off by asking him about the production and how it came to be. So the production is called Oi Fred, um, with an exclamation mark and it's been in the works for about well over a year now and sort of so initially it was me writing the script and coming up with ideas for stuff and how to create this world but I've brought a few friends on and they've had different ideas and it sort of spiraled from there and so all of these ideas have manifested into this production which we're making um, and it's a, so it's about this character who uh, wanders into his grandparents basement workshop and he encounters the spirit of his late grandfather communicating through his university laptop so it's a already a very interesting precept but his grandfather teaches him carpentry from beyond the grave and the two learn about how they are not so different from each other despite you know being separated a few generations across the divide. I understand you've got a very talented group of emerging artists that are working on this production with you. Tell me about them. I think it's really important like me and Tane work very sort of we're like almost symbiotic so we start like riffing on each other in terms of ideas and it the ideas build on each other and I think you know being young and having very fresh ideas around that is super it's just fun it's just fun because you want you want other people to also believe in the work that you're making and you want people to go this is really awesome I empathize with this and I'm lucky that the team around me so Tane, Pfeiffer, Shan, Giselle, Manu all of them are really excited about it and we have a space that's really open to come up with ideas and really bring stuff to the table which is I think it's awesome to have that in an art space and be open about what we can create. I'd love to know about the challenges that you faced, that the cast faced, any sort of challenge that comes with creating a production like this. I suppose the very obvious one is that you know, we're always struggling with, it's because we're a big artist, money is very tight as a one thing, but then also like it's it's something that we deal with because the play sort of speaks about like loss and grief and like what it would be like and family, you know, that it's often hard to separate the emotion and so you've got to almost yeah keep carrying that through but also honoring you know the legacies that you're taking through yeah that, that is a real hurdle sometimes to get over but you know as an artist you want to be as as sincere to yourself as possible you know getting those stories out there is, and wanting people to feel the same way about those stories is very important to me and to all of them like my director and all of the other people around me. Did writing this production come with its challenges as well? I can imagine that with grief being a big trope in this production, it would have been interesting going about writing it. Yeah, definitely. There's, um, I think you've got to realise, and like, I often step back from something that I've written, so I say nothing's really gospel. Like The whole point is that you want to keep the story there and someone will want to honour the story, but the specific details within it change so writing theater is about giving 
that people are about to perform it, whether that's, you know, the, the working in the creative team, so that the performance, uh, the, the set, the tech crew, all of them, that's giving them the widest picture possible. And then what we, well, what we're doing now is that we're choosing all the things that are going to work in sequence. And so it's about being open to seeing how your vision can take place. You know, sometimes it, you don't need to have as much detail. It's just, it translates itself very easily if you've got a really good story and you've got a really good world. And I think we do. I also understand that you've got this, uh, it's soundtracked by a very dusty record collection of Kiwi Yesteryear. Yeah. Tell me about that. So, yeah, I, as, as a music fan, I thought it was very important to have uh, a music soundtracking the, the, the show so that you feel, you know, it feels warm. And, you know, that's one of the ways that we connect most often between people is, oh, what music do you listen to? And, you know, we have, we have a scene in the show where that happens. Um, between the two characters. So it's, yeah, it's like record collections. That's the FM's just have their record sales, how important that is. Mm. And also music is just fun to, to have in, in a show because it gets people real real pumped. 100%. Um, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. We did. We obviously didn't sell off our Kiwi records, so there's a hint to just how important Kiwi music is, and it's uh, great to see that the, uh, that's the case in local productions as well. Last question. Yeah. We talked about just how exciting this upcoming production of yours is. It's coming out around the beginning of October. I do believe the premiere is October 3rd, and it'll be going to October 7th. How can people support this this production? Like you said, it is uh, one of the challenges you faced was... Uh, the the funding the money side of it, um, where can people yeah. go and support it? Yeah, so we have a we have a boosted running, so we're doing crowdfunding to sort of um, get the show up on stage. You know, because we try to do things as uh, on a shoestring, but you know, there's always always still going to be some costs and stuff. So the boosted is going to help us pay for stuff like music rights, personnel charges, um, some set and prop costs, stuff like that. That's just going to help elevate the story beyond it you know to our like awesome vision yeah and so you can find that at i think the hyperlink if i read it out right now is boosted.org.nz slash project slash oifred and you can follow us on our various platforms there that was tom webster writer and performer of the production oifred telling us all about his new theatrical performance that is set to come out at the beginning of october over at basement theater do go check out their boosted campaign on boosted.org.nz we've got some phaser days live from laneway 2017 here is real you're on bfm
It's the 95 BFM Art Guide on various artists. It's paintings in that. Coming up tonight at Amre, Friday the 1st of September. Tonight and tomorrow are the last nights that you can see An Imposter at Basement Theatre. Created by Ron Gallipoli, this is a song cycle and a melodrama. In murky circumstances, a psychologist urges a young woman to acknowledge her mother in a shared therapy session. Much is at stake. You can learn more and grab tickets at basementtheatre.co.nz. Also tonight and tomorrow, the Going Global Music Summit is on Aotearoa's most anticipated music summit, summit and showcase case event has unveiled the play nights of its lineup of 21 groundbreaking artists who will perform across two nights tonight friday the 1st of september and tomorrow september 2nd 2023 tickets are available from under the radar Tomorrow, Rahoroi, Saturday, the 2nd of September, the 14th edition of Office Ambience is on from 1 until 3pm at Audio Foundation, featuring German sound artists um, Gerist Sharma and Verena Lurcher. And tomorrow, the Auckland Zine Fest closing party is on at East Street Hall from 6pm. I had a yarn with Catalina from the Zine Fest on last week's show about the closing party, so if you want to learn more, you can listen back on those becasts. On to Rapa Wednesday, the 6th of September. Studio One Toy 2 Gallery Space at 1 Ponsonby Road is reopening. Swing by to celebrate its return tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. to 11.30. Later on that night, Toy 2 will also be bringing back their stand-up poetry open mic night featuring Arahia Hall and Manaya Tufare Hoane. That's on from 7 till 9. Rapa there Thursday, the 7th of September. It's first Thursdays, as always, along Karangahape Road, Gary Rig Market, Karangahape Market, and St. Kevin's Night Market are all on. Small Rave will have its studio opening party, and Shrine by Catherine Thompson will be opening at Studio 445. If you do have an event, exhibition, or anything else you'd like to get on the Art Guide, please do get in touch with us at arts at 95bfn.com. That was the 95BFM Art Guide. Squeezing in one last laneway track before the end of the show. This is The Chills with Pink Frost. Uh, our good old computer system here at 95BFM recommended that I played Pink Frost today, as it very much so should. So I was like, give it a little laneway spin. Once again, that will be announced next Tuesday here on 95BFM.
last Yes, it suffers my heart Various artists. Various artists with Francis and Liam. Go edite hotaka katoa motene wiki. Natem hiki koto katoa e corridor maikio motene ra. That is all for us on various artists today. Cheers to those who chatted with us Liam Jacobson, Dean Poole from AGI Open, and Tom Webster. Thank you, Joe, for helping produce today. You're welcome. Uh, and Nero Hoki, Tim Hikia Koto, e Fakarongo Ama, thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can listen back to all these chats and more at 95pfm.com. Ka Hoki Mai Mato Atara Wiki. Next up is the Land of the Good Groove. You are listening to 95BFM. was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.